Hi, my name is Delia, and I'm a Christian who escaped a cult. My pastor was concerned, very concerned, was very surprised at how easy it was to pick up on somebody. I have straight A's. I graduated like a 4.0. Like, I'm a pretty smart cookie. And here I am thinking, look at what just happened and how easy it was. And I think it was a combination of I was new to Christianity, hungry for the word. I was in this new ministry that people were really interested in, and I felt like I was being used. The I'm a Christian Who podcast is real stories of real Christians and their real struggles. We're not here to talk politics. We're not even here to judge. We're just here to hear out their story and understand how to love them better. Now, when most people think about cults, they like to think about, you know, communes, a crazy leader, maybe even, you know, something like Jim Jones and Kool-Aid. But many cults are actually way more subtle than that. And Delia's story, she didn't even realize she was in a cult until months into it. You're gonna hear this from Delia, but Shinchanji is one of the biggest cults in Korea, and they've been preying on American women primarily on Instagram and Facebook. In fact, you might even be a part of this cult right now and not even know it. Luckily for Delia, she was able to get out of it, but if you or someone you know is a part of an online Bible study, you might wanna listen to this story. And before we start, I'd love to give a shout out to our sponsor, Salt, the dating app made by Christians for Christians. What I love about Salt is not only does it introduce single Christians to other amazing single Christians, but it lets you match and connect on values, character traits, and interests, not just pictures in a quick paragraph. The other cool thing is they've got daily live audio events where you can connect, talk, and chat with hundreds of other single Christians on loads of different topics to dating, film, spirituality, and more. I'm actually going to be on there weekly talking about the topics that happen on this show. So if you want to give it a shot, download the SALT app today. And for those in the U.S. and Canada, use my code CWCS for three months of free premium. Wherever you are, if you meet someone special, let us know and we'll feature you on our Insta story and get SALT to pay for your next date. Go on, add some SALT to your love life. You've got nothing to lose. Now, before we get into this cult and and what it is, because I do know from you what cult this is and when you got involved, I think a lot of people will assume that when you say you escaped a cult that you were involved in this cult from when you were a child and you know you were in, indoctrinated but we're about to teach people about a cult that is not like that at all they actually target mostly women i think um for, from what i understand or mostly people on social media who are grown adults so um b- before we get into it though i i don't want that to be your whole identity i want to get to know you outside of that so delia can you tell us a little bit about yourself sure i'm a 40 something year old mom I have four teenage daughters. Uh, I have a master's degree. I do graphic design. I'm an artist. I'm a Christian artist. I love to draw and paint what I pray for people, and then I give them the art as a gift. It's sort of a mini ministry that I have, and that's actually how they contacted me was through my art. Wow. So, uh, okay, let's get into how this all started, because how this starts is not looking like a cult in any way, shape or form. So tell us kind of about like the beginnings and how you got recruited into this cult. Sure. After getting a lot of feedback, I'm, I was new to Christianity. I kind of came back to the church in 2017 and I started doing these drawings as I had prayer time. And that's how this little mini ministry started. And people said I should really put the art out there and the stories behind the drawings that I was doing. And just because it was kind of powerful to some people to hear it. So I had a anonymous Instagram account with my art on it and some other Christian artists followed me there. 
So somebody reached out through an instant message one day. Yeah, but how, how does it start? I mean, do, do they just say like, hey, I'm a part of this cult. You have to join it today. Like, yeah. how, how does it, how no. does it, because I, I imagine it's not that way. So how did no, they get you involved? It wasn't that easy, you're right. Um, so <laughs> basically, you know, I, I had a new follower and it was a wonderfully talented artist who's still making great art on Instagram. And I do still follow them through my art account. I didn't disconnect anything. I don't know why it felt wrong to disconnect it. I felt like I needed to maybe go back and get evidence or something later in the future. I don't know. But this artist followed me. And then a few days later, they said, wow, I really like the, what you're doing here. And I said, ah, it's kind of like a ministry. You know, we were chit chatting through the DMs. So they slid into the DMs. And then <laughs> after we talked for a few days, they said, you know, I go to this online Bible study. You know, if you sound really busy, maybe you'd be interested in attending this online Bible study. What did they tell you the Bible study was? Because that's, I mean, like, were you able to look it up, like to, to, to see who, who led it? It was, uh, he said, non-denominational, and I go to a non-denominational sort of the rock and roll church, so I was all down for that. I'm very much for biblical truth. I didn't want to be aligned with anybody's particular agenda, so I liked that it was non-denominational. Uh, you had to sign up for it through a website, and it was Word and Life Theology School, and they had real classes, and they had a real campus, so it looked legit. Um, so I signed up and did a beginner class that I think was maybe four or six sessions, wasn't very long, um, and it was kind of low level, and they would check in. They said, hey, did you try that Bible study? And I said, yeah, it was kind of low level. I was looking for something a little more advanced because they talked about all the uh, parables that we've all heard of, the parable of the sower um, and that sort of thing, and what the seed and the, the fields mean and the good soil and all that sort of stuff that you hear straight from Jesus's mouth in the Bible. So it didn't sound off at all. Were there any red flags at all in that beginning? Kind of like you signed up, you went through that introductory thing. Were there any red flags that this was a cult? No, because I attended all the sessions. Yeah, so and, and you didn't see, like there was nothing creepy going on that gave you bad vibes? Nope. Uh, the, it was on Zoom, which at the time I had never heard of. And I thought that's an odd platform. Um, now we all use it. But it was a lady with a microphone in front of a whiteboard, drawing stick figures on the whiteboard and talking. And then afterwards, we had a little breakout room where we had a small group and we would chit chat about the parable. To me, that sounds like a really great Bible study for, for intro. So when did, like, what were the things that started to get weird in, in retrospect? Mm -hmm. You would go through these four to six classes, it's all normal, you ask for the next level, what happened next? So in the next level sessions, again, they started out very baby steps and they moved on, but the next level classes were two hours. So that was like, okay, they're longer. And then the breakout sessions were at least a half an hour afterwards. And in the breakout sessions, we would have to basically pare it back and repeat what we had learned. And they said, you know, we're called to spread the gospel. So we wanna do it in the best way. So they're trying to get us who maybe aren't comfortable with public speaking or aren't comfortable evangelizing to feel comfortable talking about the word. Mm -hmm. So that's what the breakout sessions were poised to be. But you basically had to parrot back exactly what was said. And so it was twice a week, about two and a half hours. So it's five hours a week. And I'm like, that's a wow, big that's commitment. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that's a big commitment. Red flag number one. Big commitment. Now, were you paying for these classes or were they free? They were free. Wow. Okay. Also, okay. sort of an odd red flag. 
Um, and then as we went on, I had to miss a class. And uh, my small group leader, who's always my breakout group leader, there's four or five breakout group leaders, because these are pretty decent sized classes, probably 100 people. And then you'd have these smaller groups. But she says, well, we got to make that up. And she's like, we record them. So, you know, she would play the recording for me and make it up. And one day I said, I don't have time to make it up. I missed another one. And I said, I'll just I'll just keep pick up from where I am and don't worry about making it up. I don't want to waste your time. And she's like, oh no, we definitely have to make it up. And I, she's very pushy about making it up. Mm. And I was like, that's interesting. So you kind of had to make up the classes and they were really they went out of their way to make sure you got to see the recording. Um, one of the makeups that I did, she turned on the computer and had it playing. And then she came on and did her talk with me afterwards. And I could tell that she was in a restaurant. It looked like maybe a Starbucks or a small cafe but she was obviously at work like she had her apron on and everything and I, I was like you're making up this class for me while you're at work and hmm. that was also very odd <laughs> yeah so i'm already starting to get odd sensations about the length of the lessons how forceful they are about the makeups very pushy about the makeups so this started as c kind of a very simple bible study and mm -hmm. now you're attending two times a week for two and a half hours at a time and you're basically not allowed to miss or, or you have to make it up when did you start getting a big red flag that something is off here it's actually very embarrassing for me and that's why i'm kind of glad here that i can talk about it this this many years out now it's been quite a few years this was probably 2019 just before covid when it all kind of came to light that what what, what it was going on i attended for almost nine months from wow the i really was there for a long time there was a break between sessions but i'd say probably at least six months of solid of pretty much almost full-time bible study it sounds like mm-hmm mm -hmm. And the way it came to light was one night I was turning on YouTube and I wanted to watch a tutorial for something. And on my suggested videos list, I don't even know why it was there, but there's just a young man sitting in the front seat, like the driver's seat of a delivery truck. And the title screen said, Word in Life Theology School is a cult. And here's what you need to know. Oh, that's my Bible study. And I like my heart sunk and I said, I have to watch this three minute video. It was just a quick three minute video that happened to show up on my For You YouTube suggestions. That's how I found out. And he says, hey, I took this class. And if you don't think that this is a cult, you really need to look up Shinshonji, which is this Korean religion. Very much everybody considers it a cult. It's not really a recognized denomination of religion. He's like, you can believe me or not believe me, but go look for yourself. That was the extent of his video. And that led me down the rabbit hole of what is this? Let's pause here because I, I, I want to hear, you know, how, how you got out, how all this happened. But but now that you've said the name of it, Shinchanji, what is their belief? Like what what is their cultish belief that they need people to be in on? They are led by a, an older man. He's in his 90s now. His name is Lee Man Hee, and he is supposedly the promised pastor who is the only one who can interpret the book of Revelations. And the oh. Bible studies are very much focused on Revelation. They go back to Old Testament into New Testament and show the prophecies and how they are fulfilled. And then they're saying the New Testament is full of prophecies that are being fulfilled now in our times. We are in end times. I didn't quite get to that point. I figured it out before they did the surprise. <laughs> um, Jesus is here, but um, most people will agree that 
he is claiming to be the promised pastor who is the one who comes ahead of the second coming of Jesus. So he's not saying he is the second coming, but as close as you can get to be, and he's the only one who can interpret the book of Revelations. If you look at how the churches run, you can't miss church on a Sunday. Services are very long. You don't sit in chairs. You don't sit in benches. You kneel on the floor in these taped off squares that are like shoulder to shoulder. So during the pandemic, COVID was spreading rampantly throughout their churches because you can imagine if you miss an online Bible study, they push you to make it up. What happens if you miss church? Mm. They're claiming the 144,000 that are... Uh, taken up during the revolution is uh, revelation is uh, a literal 144,000. So people are competing for the spaces, wow. trying to do each other with donating money or doing acts or attending church or serving. And they have to pass a paper test that they take on hands and knees on the floor because the paper test proves that you have God's word in your heart and soul. And that's how you get into heaven. So you pass this paper test. So had you, I, I do want to get back to the story of how you got out, but had you not gotten out, how does this work? Like, how do you go from a Zoom Bible study to, to kneeling and taking a paper test to earn your way into heaven? Did not get that far. Um, there was an exam. I did get to the first level exam. It was an hour long exam with, uh, I want to say 50 questions, if I remember right. And you could only get two questions wrong or you would have to reattend the Bible study. Apparently I was a good student because I got a perfect score. <laughs> <laughs> so I got through the first level uh, training. Uh, and then there was supposed to be soon an another like advanced training that I didn't quite get to. Now, I, I, th I think where people might, might be quick to misunderstand here is they might think, hey, because it's Zoom, you can just stop going. Like you're out, like you, you can just, you figured it out just like delete zoom don't go back so but i don't think that's the truth what is it like to actually leave what happens yeah definitely not the truth um so the small group leader that i had had my cell phone number and was often would text me just hope you had a great week test you know texting in like a mentor would or you know a spiritual mentor if you will very friendly so she had my cell phone number they both had uh, the artist and the mentor had my Instagram. Other teachers had my Instagram. Other students in the class had my Instagram. So we were encouraged to network amongst ourselves. If somebody left the Bible study, it was put out as, you know, they had a medical problem or whatever. So um, you, could, you didn't know who was leaving and why. Um, and I read that they sometimes place people into the study to be students, but they're actually members of the congregation who are there to act like other students to try to keep you on staff and, you know, answer questions like if you start wow. to feel weird. So there are, you don't even know if everybody in your class is a an actual recruit or if they're already in. So when I started to suspect something and started to ask questions, there was lots of ways that I could be contacted. They had my email to send me links to the video trainings to watch. And so what happened? Like, <laughs> how did you how did you eventually get out? Because these people know your personal information. And if they're that strict about making up classes, how did you get out of this? I was really angry at first, super angry, super duper angry. The first person I wrote to was the artist who recruited me in. And what did you say to him? Basically, I said something along the lines of, 
are you not telling me something about this Bible study? Is there something you need to tell me? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. What's going on? And I was like, um, I'm not really sure, but I'm pretty sure that you lied to me about what this Bible study is. And he's like, oh, you need to talk to Pastor Kim, who was the main presenter of our studies. And I was like, that, that was a positive answer to me. That was a confession of I was on the right track. So he's like, you really need to talk to her. Go talk to her. Go talk to her. She'll straighten it out. You'll understand. And the second person I texted was my mentor. And I said, hey, um, is tonight's lesson all about Lee Man He? And, you know, Shin Ji? Because I'm really <laughs> curious what's about to happen to tonight's lesson. I mean, this was probably 20 minutes before the lesson. And she's like, oh, um, who you been talking to? <laughs> <laughs> um, she, she also said, well, you need to have a one-on-one. -on -one. You need to talk to Pastor Kim. You need to you know, stay after the stay after the lesson. You know, said, you're crazy if you think I'm attending tonight's lesson. Mm -hmm. um, so I did log in at the end of the lesson. And uh, they asked me to stay on at the end of the call. And um, they said, we want to talk to you. And I said, I am so angry. I can't talk to you right now. I said, give me a few days send me a link, we'll talk, but I need to compose my thoughts. So I took three or four days and then I had a meeting with Pastor Kim. And and what, I mean, what, what happened in that meeting? It was a 45 minute long Zoom. Wow. And, yeah, it was 45 minutes. Uh, she immediately came on and said she was very nervous. It, it felt like she was putting out a fire and she came in and she was like, people don't understand us. Um, we're accused all the time and we're harassed. and and people threaten us and have to do it this way. You know, when Jesus came, he didn't reveal himself right away. And oh I said, God. you're lying. You're saying it's a non-denominational Bible study for everyone. I mean, it's definitely denomination. It's definitely not a standard accepted theology. Like you can't put it out there as non-denominational. It's just totally lying. I said, Jesus didn't go around lying to trick people into listening to him. Mm. He didn't pop out of a box and say, surprise Pharisees, I'm here. You know, it didn't go that way. <laughs> I mean, that's something I can remember saying, Jesus didn't pop out of a box and go surprise. And she even said, you know, my mom is in the, in the church now. And she's like, we did, we had to do it this way with my, with my own mother. And I'm sitting here stunned to hear her say that she, deceived her own mother to get her to join. But basically she talked at me for about 40 minutes. And I had my little Jesus surprise thing there at the end for like five minutes because I couldn't get a word in edgewise and she wasn't gonna listen. And I was like, you know, I have to go to my pastor now and figure out what I need to be deprogrammed on because I don't know how bad this is. Cause I'm so, kind of new to the church. And as soon as I mentioned going to my pastor, she says, oh no, no, don't talk to your pastor because then we're going to get attacked. We're going to, you know, he won't understand. And she was very much don't go to your home pastor. Cause I did have a church, but it was 45 minutes drive, which or I would have just kept attending my own Bible studies. <laughs> mm -hmm. So as soon as I brought my pastor's name up, she got real nervous real quick. So what, what sorts of things did you need to get deprogrammed for? Like what sorts of things were they, were they teaching that you realized like this is not biblical in retrospect? I guess in the end, it was more just the way they twisted everything. So they're very much about um, all the prophecies and fulfillment that are, we all are know they're there and very well documented and easy to follow. But everything also has a symbolism and they were pushing the symbolism to make a point. So they would say things like, 
leaves, anytime they mention leaves or branches, that means a pastor. And water is always the word of God. No matter where it's used, water is the word. Um, and those sort of things, like a staff means this, and a bowl or a pot or a crock means this. Um, so all the symbolism, it's just not accepted and it's kind of made up. You won't find that out there in generally accepted. Some of it you will, obviously, but um, they really push the envelope there. And just there is no promised pastor. If you, it's a it's a twisting of a verse in a specific translation where they get that phrase. So generally speaking, the early stuff I got was what you would expect and and kind of what everybody believes and what came straight out of Jesus's mouth. And then by the time they started twisting things up, there wasn't a whole lot that I had to be deprogrammed on. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think if I got into that next level course, maybe they would have started upping it up even more. But so going through, you know, something like this, I think the, the wrong assumption that people make, and I know that this has been debunked a million times, is that people who get involved in cults are dumb. And that is not the, the truth. I mean, the, the, the smartest people, I mean, you went into a Bible study that you said the beginning of it was biblical. Like you were doing, you know, nothing different than any other Christian out there would do, um, especially since you said you were a young Christian. You were just looking to learn. You were just looking to, you know, get a better biblical knowledge, but you fell into this into this kind of pit, I guess, of, of people who were, were dragging you in the wrong direction. So when you go through something like that, how did it affect your your family, friends and relationships when they either found out or you told them that this was a cult? I only told a very few people because I was mortally embarrassed. Like mm -hmm. I was beating myself up. How could I have been so dumb and not seen that? My mom was one of the people who knew about the Bible study and because I was living at her house for a bit at the time and um, she would see me go do it all the time. She's like, oh gosh, you're doing that again, you know? She's like, thank goodness you're, you can help me do the dishes. Like she didn't even think anything of it. My pastor was concerned, very concerned at how easy it was. And I, I showed him the, you know, some of the conversations I had with people. I showed him my notes from the classes and he's was very surprised at how easy it was to pick up on somebody, you know? Yeah. I have straight. A's. I graduated like a 4.0 my master's degree in a year. Like I'm a pretty smart cookie. And here I am thinking, you know, look at what just happened and how easy it was. And I think it was a combination of I was new to Christianity, hungry for the word. I was in this new ministry that people were really interested in. And I felt like I was being used by the spirit to do something that could have been a calling. And after, after I found out, like I actually took a really big break from reading my Bible at all because I had filled it with the notes from the class. Oh. And my sister gave me this beautiful illuminated Bible for Christmas and it's now it's all full of these notes and I didn't even want to look at it. So um, it took a while, I took a break from reading at all. I, I took a break from drawing the ministry that I was doing. I haven't posted very much on that art account at all in years because I don't want to leave it out there and open for that type of predatory behavior again. So I took a big step back and then I do art now and I do read my Bible, but I just am more private about it. I'm also more analytical of like every sermon I hear now. <laughs> That's a good, well, because I mean, I, I was going to ask, how, how does an experience like that affect your faith? Because I can imagine, you know, you you become a Christian, you get hoodwinked by, by, by a cult. So how does that affect your faith moving forward? Well, I think 
part of what helped was COVID, which is the weirdest thing to say, because when COVID started, I had just registered to go back to school and I was telling them that I was going to have trouble attending some of the study sessions because I was going back to school. So I was already trying to get away sort of without realizing it because I needed school time. And they were trying to figure out how I could go to school and keep making up the Bible studies. So it was all at this time. I started going to school in January and then COVID hit. And I'm trying to make sense out of how this all happened. And COVID hits. And at work, they're like, we have this new software we need to use. And it's called Zoom. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I've been doing this for nine months. I know how to use Zoom. I'm a computer trainer was my job at the time. So I trained everybody how to use Zoom because I learned it in the Bible study. So in the end, that was something silly, but it was like, I can say God is using that experience for something good right now because I can teach my low-income adults who I were teaching computers to. I can take that experience that I had with them and use it for this good outcome that I'm doing now. And that got me to start reading and drawing again. Just honestly enough, the day that I went to work and we had Zoom. Mm Yeah, because I, I believe you were somebody who, I think you were the person who introduced me to this story the, the, the first time I ever heard it. You know, I did on Christians Who Curse Sometimes page, I asked for stories of people who are in cults, and you, you shared your story. And I think one of the most impactful things that came out of that story was it helped a woman realize that she was in the same cult in the way that you did almost where like you stumbled upon a YouTube video. She heard this story instantly messaged me and said like, I think this is me. And, you know, it, it prompted me to get an article up on our, on our website. So if you want to see more of, you know, what this cult is like, you can go to ChristiansWhoCurseSometimes.com and, and search for that article. Because, I mean, what I learned in the research is the lengths that this cult, cult goes through to get people to believe their story. And even realizing that, you know, word of life, you know, what, what it says, word of life theology, they grab empty spots on Google Maps to look like they have a campus and they build full websites to make make sure they look like they're legit. So th- this isn't, you know, just because you trusted somebody, some stranger on the internet, they go through big lengths to convince people that they are real and legit to make it more likely that you'll join their cult because by the time, I mean, when you say nine months, at what point in those nine months did it start getting like non-biblical? Um, it was quite a ways in, there was, um... There was a a lesson and they were talking about a fisherman in a boat who throws a net and pulls up fish. And, you know, um, there was, it was an odd story. And it was, I wish I had my notes. They're in storage somewhere. I should have brought them out to prepare, but it was an odd story. And I said to my one friend that I talked to quite a bit about churchy type topics, I said, this is an interesting take on water and the fishermen. And I hadn't heard it this way before. And what do you think? And they said, that's really weird and is not at all what it means. And I was yeah. like, oh, sure. And, um, but they never said who the fisherman in the boat is. And at some point I did see a drawing of something from a lesson on the internet. And it turns out that the fisherman will be revealed in a future lesson as Lee Man He. Wow. 144. So um, I guess that's, they would skip that. But um, the fisherman lesson really got me. And I wanted to say that was about a month before the end, where one of my friends was like, that's a weird lesson. Wow. So this was eight months before it started getting strange. Other than the crazy amounts of time. and the Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think people can assume that you were ignoring things for all this time. And, and I think what these cults do, um, you know, part of their strategy is, is the sunk cost fallacy. Like you've already been a part of it for eight months. So if you think it's weird, like you're more likely to keep going. But for you to show that kind of strength, to see that video, to leave right away, to take those steps, even the fact that you went to that meeting and had the guts to tell them to their face that they were wrong is just awesome. So if if there are people listening right now who think that this might be them and they're worried about how to get out, what is your advice for them? Um, I've actually spoken to several people through the Christians Who Curse Sometimes Instagram account. I, I want to say three people now have reached out to me through there, and um, they have referred other people to me. So I think in total I've talked to about eight people to, to help them realize that they are. There was one person who I said, hey, your Bible study sounds a little weird, but it doesn't match up exactly with mine. Um, mm-hmm. not saying it's not a cult, but uh, it could be. And, and that's actually why I'm here to day because I was very nervous to do this, but I think it needs to be heard again because, you know, those false prophets are out there and they're twisting the word. So if you hear something and it doesn't seem right, you know, we hear about discernment all the time, but nobody tells you how to discern. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, if you have a local church that you're connected to, talk to your pastor, talk to a prayer team leader, any of those people that you might find at your church who are in leadership, who can guide you. Um, There's plenty of research you can do on this cult in particular or any others. Um, It's hard to say you you can't go to their website and and say if it looks good because it'll it'll have the... um, the encrypted lock. It'll have all the pages you're looking for, the contact and the phone numbers, and it looks very legit. It has a location, like you said. Um, so you can't always just trust going on the internet. But definitely, if you suspect anything and you're you're new to Christianity and you aren't sure, find somebody with experience who you can ask. And there's plenty of people out there who think they know. Yeah. <laughs> so you might find the right person. Hopefully you will. Once you're sure that this is not a biblically based, you might be in a cult for real. There's no need to confront. There's so many of them. There's hundreds of thousands. It's, it's, uh, there's something like 600,000 in Korea alone. And they're all over California, all over New York city, up at the coast. And now that they're spreading online, it's going to be a, a losing battle for you to go confront directly. You can, if you feel the need to, like I felt the need to say something to them, how I felt duped. <laughs> didn't appreciate being lied to. Um, and it was empowering to be able to talk to them and have that closure, but you don't need to. Basically, I would say block, block, block. Anybody who was associated with the Bible study, anybody who thought they were your friends, because like I said, that mentor would reach out to me and ask me how my weekend was, ask me how that project at work went, ask me how my dad was doing when he was sick. Um, they act like your friends. Um, so you don't necessarily know who's your friend. So Use those social media protection and privacy features. Use your blocking, use your um, reporting if they are actually dangerous or threatening you or harassing you to rejoin or come back. You know, you can report harassing behavior, but that's what social media has those features for. So does that happen? Have they have they harassed or 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 threatened anybody to to not leave? One of the folks that I talked to said that she would get calls for about a week, three or four times a day from different people who were in the study who are calling her trying to talk to her, trying to convince her to stay. Um, I did not experience that level of harassment at all, thankfully. 
Thank you so much. I mean, th th this is something that, you know, you, you brought to my attention years ago that that uh, I had no idea existed. And I think the more we can get this message out there, the more lives we can save, because this is ultimately something that is is harmful and is causing a lot of harm and can just harm people's faith in general. And I think it's amazing that, you know, seeing you, you've gone through this, even as a young Christian, and then to come out on the other side and to, you know, be skeptical of sermons and all of that. Those are all good qualities. Like you've now you, you're somebody who clearly has a great gift of discernment and the fact that you're using it to pull other people out of this and save them and um and help them in their faith i think is just an incredible thing so thank you so much for sharing your story